Welcome back to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. As a church, we believe that you're made for this, and God has a plan for your life. Here's this week's message. Come on, somebody, give God a shout of praise if you believe that God has you in L.A. for a reason. If you believe that God can use you to reach the city, to bring love, hope, and peace, I'm believing that all of Los Angeles is going to be see the salvation of the Lord. If you believe it, can you give God a hand clap and a shout of praise in the house of the Lord? We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. I remember when God showed me this three months ago or so, he said, Julian, I want you to believe for all of Los Angeles to be saved. And at first I went, that's impossible. How are you going to use this church for all of Los Angeles to, to be saved? And, and the Lord said, son, it is impossible. Whatever I ask you to do is impossible. Or I wouldn't be asking you. The moment I tell you, it's impossible. Why would I open up the heavens and tell you something that was possible? I'm telling you something that's impossible for you, but possible with me. So when we say the vision is we're going to keep doing what we do until all of Los Angeles is saved, yes, that is impossible, but you need to know that God does not open up the heavens to tell you to do something that's possible without him. It doesn't matter what you're called to. If the Lord says you're called to the entertainment industry, he's not telling you that because you're talented. He's telling you that because for you, it's impossible. So when you start to feel like you're not good enough, the devil's not lying to you. Can I help somebody today? Why is God choosing you? Because he's going to anoint you, grace you, empower you. The Bible says he told Joshua, I'll make you a leader in the eyes of the people. He didn't say Joshua was a great leader. He said, I'll make people think you're a great leader. I'll make people think your music is good. Do you know some of the biggest artists in the world hated their best songs? Because what is God doing? He's making people think it's good. God, I don't need to be good. You, you just changed their eyes. I just want to glorify your name. The vision is impossible. And I felt this conviction. I have to learn to tell people things that are impossible that become possible because God is involved. That is true vision. I think too much of our vision is just big ideas. So what's your vision, man? What's your vision? Well, think about something. Like, like think about it. Like, do you think, do you think that Steve Jobs said, yeah, you know what? We want an iPhone in 800 million people's hands, a billion people's hands. That's, that's not, people would have sat him down like, what are you talking about? And some of y'all are still resisting the spirit with an Android messing up the group chats and I can't put no emoji in there. And that's what sin does to people like you. I put a laugh out loud in the text emoji. I can't, I don't know what you said. Get an apple and stop. Boost mobile. Went to 7-Eleven, bought a Slurpee and a cell phone, and now I can't. (laughs) 
So, so what, that vision that he had was impossible. Now, now you might be saying, well, 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 does that mean that I have to have God to complete every vision? Yes, if you want both the vision to be fulfilled and peace, yes. I'm throwing this binder already. Because I know a lot of people that are fulfilling their visions without God and they have no peace. The Bible says God blesses without sorrow. The devil will bless you too, but he brings despair, which is never a blessing. Vision is important. Vision is biblical. Vision is not the same thing. When you think Vision Sunday, because at first I didn't want to have a Vision Sunday, if I'm being honest, because it's like every church does a Vision Sunday. I don't want to be lame. I can't stand doing everything that every other church does. Every church has a Vision Sunday, and I'm so against doing what every church does. I don't want to have a Vision Sunday, and God's like, Vision is important. you got to stop being different for different sake. I don't want to do what everybody else's church, church is doing. Well, well, we need to pray. Oh, yeah, you're right. We need to pray. We need, like, it's not about being different for different sake. The church needs vision. And the church needs to understand the difference between your own vision, which is possible, and God's vision, which without him is not possible. So when I tell you this, and, 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 and I'm saying, I know, I'm aware of this is impossible, but we can't go into vision Sunday without, uh, without understanding the difference between human vision and God vision. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse 18, that where there is no prophetic vision no prophetic vision the people cast off restraint but blessed is he who keeps the law where there is no prophetic vision so vision in the bible is not a big idea it's not some big goal or big dream vision in the bible is translated in hebrew revelation from the word or revelation of what god wants us to do so if it's a vision that comes from God, then God had to reveal it for it to be vision. So it's not, godly vision is not how big the vision is. Godly vision is where you got it from. I got this vision out of the presence of God. I got this vision seeking God. I got this vision following God. I got this vision pursuing God. So biblical vision begins with the source of where you got it from. So I could come in here right now and say I want to reach the whole city because I want to have a bunch of campuses and I want a book deal and I want everybody to watch me. And I could say until all of Los Angeles is saved, but only God knows whether or not I sat with the Lord and got it from him. Vision is the source. And it begins with prophetic revelation from his word. We get vision from the Bible. We can get vision from God's presence. And it says without this vision, People cast off restraint, which is a biblical phrase meaning they're out of control. It means to run free, to be wild, to be super lit, out of control, trifling, ignorant, crazy. Like whatever word you want to use, it means that without vision, you will be undisciplined. Without vision, you will be undisciplined. Cast off restraint. Cast off restraint is also in the Hebrew word because there's only a few thousand Hebrew words. There's hundreds of thousands of English words. So words in Hebrew had to mean multiple things. So it means to be wild, to run free, to be out of control. But it also means to take off your turban. Take off your turban. In the Bible, priests would wear turbans. And it would symbolize that they were serving God. 
And on the turban, there would be a gold plate, and engraved in that gold plate, it would say, holy unto the Lord, or set apart to the Lord, meaning that when they were wearing that turban, everyone knew that they were servants of God. So where there is no vision in the church, prophetically, prophetically, people run wild and take off their turbans, and they're no longer serving God, but serving their own desires. The Bible says that you cannot serve both money and God. So what will happen is without vision in the church, you will uh, uh, take off your turban, to use that analogy, and now you serve money, now you serve your own goals, and you serve your own dreams, and money is an awesome thing, but it will fail you as a God. So the church is important that we have vision Sundays so that metaphorically, God's people don't take off their turbans. Everything I do is in service of God. If God calls me to the industry, if God calls me to business, he's calling me to do that. And it's supposed to be apparent to everyone watching that I'm serving God. So it says without prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. They run wild. They, they take off their, their turbans. So when God was speaking to me about this vision in 2023, I, I didn't realize that if you weren't here last year, Vision, why, like, why would God give me vision? It's biblical that God would speak to your pastor about vision in the church because in Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation, God has vision for seven different churches and seven different cities, and each vision was different. There are some things that all churches are supposed to do. All churches are supposed to reach people. All churches are supposed to preach the truth and, 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 and disciple people. But these churches had different local visions depending on what was going on in their community. God would write a letter to the church in Ephesus, to the, to the church in Laodicea. And maybe today, prophetically, God is saying to the church in Los Angeles, and he's asking for us to have a greater heart for the salvation of other people. What's interesting is last year, if you weren't here, we had a Vision Sunday. And on Vision Sunday, I talked about seven years of favor and that I believe that God was giving us a harvest in three main areas. And the first one was a harvest of righteousness. We spent a lot of year, of most of the year talking about character and righteousness because I believe it is your character that prepares you for your calling. Because God can't give you a calling that's bigger than your character. It's hard to feel churches talking about character, but we did. And praise God for you because you came, you leaned in, and our church has been leaning into character. We're believing for a harvest of righteousness, but we're also believing for a harvest of souls that people would be saved. Now, three months ago, if you know me, I'm kind of a distracted person. The Lord said, I want you to tell a church, we're, you're going to keep doing, we're going to keep doing what we're doing until all of Los Angeles is saved. But I forgot that I said last year that the second part was a harvest of souls. So the Lord wasn't revealing to me what he was saying. He was reminding me what he said. Won't he do it? I did some things in my past that messed with my memory, but the Lord is a redeemer. He's a redeemer. Somebody go, yeah, I know what you did. Listen, man, you a sinner too. Like, don't be, mm-hmm, I don't know what you was doing. Harvest of righteousness. The second thing was a harvest of souls, and the third thing was a harvest of increase in, in wisdom, authority, influences, and finances. And so over this next seven years, I believe this core vision 
Everything that we do, all of this is about Los Angeles being saved. And God wanted me to express to you, would you allow the Holy Spirit to give you faith for all of Los Angeles? Because you're here for a reason. God puts blessings and ordains cities for moves of God. And did you know, for everybody that, that you've heard moving to Texas and moving to the south where the church is doing this and the church is doing that, did you know that God has selected California multiple times for revival? Multiple times. In 1906, there was a one-eyed black man by the name of William Seymour who led a revival called the Azusa Street Revival just five minutes from here on Bonnie Bray Street. And the story has it that he wanted to learn the Bible. Y'all know what time this is. You guys know how black people were, were treated then, in some ways how black people are treated now. But William Seymour was had something different than this generation does when they're mistreated. He had a deeper sense of humility. He had a deeper sense of hunger from God because the story says that he went to a white Bible college in the Midwest and he wasn't allowed to attend the white Bible college because the professors were racist, the students were racist, the board was racist, everybody who worked for the Bible college was racist. So instead, story goes that William Seymour sat outside of the window because they didn't have air conditioning back then and he sat outside of the window and he figured out if he sat at just the right angle he could learn the Bible from a racist professor. Because God, if this is my only way to learn the Bible, I'd rather learn the word from a racist than not learn it at all. And so he sat under these windows, soaking in the word of God, found himself in Los Angeles with a curfew for black people after 7 p.m. at night. But the Holy Spirit told him to take a train to Pasadena at 9 o'clock at night. And William Seymour, this one-eyed black man, would take this train to Pasadena. He would get off the train. And I don't know what side of Pasadena it was, but I think it was South Pasadena. <laughs> Wasn't North Pasadena. Anybody know anything about Pasadena? You get off of Fair Oaks and make that left, you in the hood. You make a right, you in South Pasadena. So I like to believe it was South Pasadena he was walking around because the story has there was these massive houses. It's 9 o'clock at night. If he is seen, he will be arrested for being black, uh, being black after 7. And the Bible, not the Bible, but the story goes that William Seymour knocked on a door. Affluent, affluent house in a great neighborhood. And a bunch of white people opened the door. Staring at a one-eyed black man. And he said, the Holy Spirit told me to knock on your door because you're praying for revival. And, and the white people said, we are praying for revival. And William Seymour said, I'm the preacher of that revival. And they said, if you're the preacher of that revival, then come in here and preach. And he did, and they all fell out under the power of the Spirit. White people and a one-eyed black man. And they took their money and they bought the house on Bonnie Bray Street so William Seymour could preach. The revival was led in Los Angeles by 
a black man who was humble enough to learn from a racist white man, so God sent him encouraging white people to bless his ministry. And revival swept through Los Angeles for three years, and some people say most churches in L.A. were birthed out of that revival. And it was multicultural. It wasn't a black church. It wasn't a white church. It wasn't an Asian church. It wasn't a Hispanic church. It looked something like this. Why don't you take a moment and look around? Because the last big revival in Los Angeles, the room looked like this. Multicultural church under a black man's leadership. I don't say that to be racial. I say that because that was a miracle. A man would come in, white spiritual leader, white pastor would come in and would say that that move of God was an abomination. That white people shouldn't be worshiping with black people and black people shouldn't be worshiping with, with white people. And so he took the white congregation members, story has it, and maybe William Seymour took the black congregation members, and in L.A., the black church was born, and the white church was born, and the Asian church was born, and the Hispanic church was born out of those movements. And there would not be another black pastor for the rest of Los Angeles' history, the last 100 and something years, there would not be another black pastor like William Seymour that would lead a multicultural congregation. Most black pastors in LA, because of the racism of that time, now lead churches that are bare minimum 80 to 85% black. There would not be another pastor that would lead a multicultural congregation until October 13th, 2019 where a white man named Philip Wagner and a white woman named Holly Wagner would pass their church to a black man in the city of Los Angeles. So we are that church that William Seymour was dreaming about. So why not us, Oasis? Why can't we not lead people to Jesus and see revival in the city until all of Los Angeles is saved? I might be crazy, but it might be God. God has you in this church for a reason. And again, it's not about race. It's about the miraculous. It's about the miraculous. My pastor grew up in the South. And I don't know if you know, he's, he's, he'll be 71 next year. What pastor who grew up in the South? Little Rock, Arkansas. When my pastor was in elementary school, people were protesting Ruby Bridges going to school with white kids. And that man grew up to give his church do you understand what you are a part of? God's been working on this. He, he's been working on this. And so we have a responsibility to imagine what could be if we would allow the Holy Spirit to convict us for Los Angeles. Churches are gifts to cities. And, and I don't want to be a gift that nobody knows about. What does it matter if someone says to you, I'm actually feeling really convicted right now because one of my, like, I bought my, uh, I got my friend Brianna a birthday gift and then forgot to give it to her because she was out of town. I didn't see her. I'm like, well, what's the point? 
Yeah, she still didn't have that, Lane. Lane, Lane helped me pick it out, and I, it just weeks later. Well, she didn't know about it. It's the thought that counts. No, no, no. I said, hey, I forgot to give you that. That's my bad. What was the point of all that? What's the point of us being a gift to a city and we're not? So what I'm telling you is psycho. Because Jesus said, I need to go to the Father or the Holy Spirit will not come. You have to be crazy enough to believe that Jesus thinks you're a better idea. You know why Jesus is not here? Because you are. Every time we see a problem in Los Angeles, we're like, Jesus, we need you to show up. You know what the Holy Spirit, you know what Jesus wants to tell each of us? No one's coming. No one's coming. It's you. I put you there to be a light. I put you there to bring peace. I put you there. And if 12 disciples could wait on the Holy Spirit to fall and reach all of Rome within 10 years, then so could we. But we're going to have to be a little crazy. We're going to have to be willing to do the, the impossible. The impossible. You know, when I say all of Los Angeles, I mean it. Like, just not being satisfied. Not going, oh, man, that was a cool church service. Oh, man, that was powerful. Oh, thank you, Pastor Julian. No, do you know anyone who is not saved? Yeah. Oh, man, at church, not a lot of people are at church today. You know why? Us. Like, don't make the church hire a social media department because you ain't doing your job. God has given you a job. You have a job in the kingdom and you got a job in the natural. You are bivocational, whether you like it or not. And if you ain't going to do the job that's in the spiritual realm, why would God promote you in the natural realm when everything that happens in the natural for you is supposed to lead to the spiritual so we, we got to reach the city of Los Angeles, and we're going to keep doing everything we do until all of Los Angeles is saved, and we're going to do that three ways. Number one, we're going to have gatherings that build community. I'm grateful you guys come to hear me preach. I'm grateful that you guys come to hear what I'm saying. We're going to have gatherings that build community. I, I, I just, I'm grateful that you guys come to hear me preach, you know. I, I, great, I, I love that, but we need to have real community. We need to be real community. We got to stop coming here and clapping our hands and stopping our feet and listening to the message, but leaving lonely. Did you know you're baptized into Christ and into community, the Bible says? So when you get water baptized, he's baptizing you into a community. We are the body of Christ. We're a community. And our gatherings can't just give you goosebumps. They got to be something that leads to Real, authentic community. And this is why I need everybody to download that app. Can I keep it real with you? I, like, I cannot say download the app, and when we get to the end of the church, only 20 of y'all have done it. Do you know why? You know why we started the app? Because I went to the team, I said, I am so tired of the Holy Ghost moving during worship, people weeping, and then we got to stop it and say, this is all the things that are happening in the life of our church. Here's connect groups. We have merch for sale. You know the, com the church commercial in the beginning of the service? We, we need you to do this. Start here. Start over there. Jump over there. Left foot, left foot in. Your left foot out. You do the hokey pokey. You turn yourself about. That's what church is all about. I, I'm just, 
I just want to worship God and preach the word. That's it. An hour and 15 minutes. But we got to let you know what's going on. Wouldn't you love for one day we don't even have to do an offering in church because people are already bringing their offerings? Especially if you're bringing somebody new. How many people you bring somebody new and you get to take out the offering? See, we don't talk about giving. Like, that always freaks people out even though it shouldn't. But we, we're going to do all that through the app. So when we get to like a thousand or so downloads, we're going to communicate what's going on in the life of our church through the app. That way when you come to service and you bring that person that you are desiring to be saved, they don't care about start here. They don't care about connect groups. They need Jesus. And we can spend the whole time revealing Jesus to them. That's why we're doing the app. It's not to be cool. Like, we're not, it's not to be cool. We're not that cool. We got our own app. No. <laughs> I, every time I make fun of people, I turn, in, I turn, like, I don't know what I turned into. I don't know what that was. I'm ashamed of myself. Ashamed of myself. I feel like I need to throw up a gang siren. Okay, okay I'm, I'm back, I'm back. You know what I'm saying? I need to just, like, get my swag back. Turn into... By the way, any, any black man come towards you with their left foot dragging, run. <laughs> hey, homie, we got a problem? We got a problem? I just felt like I needed to teach y'all that. Like, if the left foot ain't coming off the ground, run, okay? <laughs> hey, hey, homie, we good? <laughs> see that? Somebody gonna go home that ain't black and practice that. Let me see. <laughs> no, it ain't the thriller video. It's a gangster. Like... Threaten somebody. I'm going to teach you how to threaten somebody. You don't never have to fight. Just don't lift that left foot off the ground. They know what's up. They know what's up. <sighs> don't distract me. It's important. You got to download the app so we can do that. Another thing we're going to be doing cool that builds communities, we're going to start a volunteer team. It's, so far, we're calling it the sit with us team. It's a volunteer team that we're going to put in sections, and we're going to be sitting new people in that section, and that volunteer team is knowing that person sitting in their section is new to church or doesn't know anybody, and, and that person going to have to have an awkward moment where they have to text somebody and wait for a callback. No, we're going to sit them in a section where their people are waiting on them. And, and introducing them and getting connected with them immediately. We want gatherings that lead to community. And you know what's really cool about our church? We got, we got this uh, Oasis Beach Club where people are sitting in church today that went to play volleyball on a Sunday after church. Never stepped foot in our church. And there were people at Vision Sunday that the first encounter they had with our church is at Oasis Beach Club where we play volleyball every single Sunday after church. How awesome is that? If you can't set the ball, don't clap. <laughs> Get serious out there, man. You blast that ball out into the ocean, I'm going to need you to work on your set if you come to Oasis Beach Club. But what, a, what an interesting way to, to invite people to come to church. Like, it, this is a big deal to get someone to come into this space. And maybe it's easy to go, hey, you want to go play volleyball Sunday? And they'll go, sure. And so many people have come to church because they play volleyball. So you know what we're going to be doing? We're going to start a bunch of clubs. Oasis Beach Club, Coffee Club, Kids Club with Playdates, uh, Surf Club, Run Club. I'm not going to that one, but you can. Like, <laughs> six miles. I ran six miles today. Six. Listen, how many black people have invited people to do a half K or a marathon? 
You have, Kat? Come on, give it up for the only black man in the room that likes to run. Oh, okay, okay, I was making sure. Oh, he don't like to. All right, take your claps back. Take your claps back. He is black. He don't like to run. But whatever it is that you like to do, because at a certain time, you ever, like, have something you have going on? We could do sports clubs where there are coaches in our, our, our church who coach, like, sports, and your kid could go join for that sport and be a part of that. So it's not always having to have a coffee or do something new. The, the clubs are like, are you willing to take people on the journey of what you like the foodie club. Some of y'all go to restaurants and spend way too much money every weekend. If you're going to be broke, you might as well take people with you and build community. <laughs> it's just taking people on this journey with you to build community. What Fitness clubs. Like, what do you like to do? Let's take somebody with you and build community. We're going to be doing a lot more intentional. And our gatherings are not just going to be in God's house, they're gonna be in the streets, they're gonna be in parks, they're gonna be in places where you can invite someone to be a part of a community even if they don't yet know the Lord. We gotta have gatherings that build community. And the second way we're gonna do it, or reach all of Los Angeles, not just gatherings that build community, but we're gonna have generosity that builds faith. I am so proud to say that our church last week sponsored 367 kids from impoverished nations. Like, where does that happen? Y'all are so generous. But generosity actually builds faith. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. It could have said that he prayed. It could have said that he preached. It could have said that he invited someone to church. Jesus could have done all those things. But the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Generosity softens people's hearts so then God can put faith in them. Faith. Faith that he is good. Faith that he is awesome. And I'm believing specifically for generosity that our church is going to see $3 million in the next six months. Three, woo is right. And you've never given to the church. Let me hear you say three woos. Woo, woo, woo. So I'm going to need you to get that woo in your spirit. Because if that number's going to happen, we need you. Come on, ain't no pressure, but let me hear a woo, woo, woo. <laughs> Listen, we gonna, that's going to be the new offering. But, hey, Sam, that's going to be new to offering. I know you're laughing, but we ain't no more. The scripture says, I just want the MC to get up here and go, woo, 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 and everybody just, it's time to give. <laughs> time to give. Most likely that'll happen one day too. But I'm, I'm praying for it. I'm believing for it. Six million dollars total by next Vision Sunday. How many of y'all love this building? You see that stained glass window? I mean, it's in every promotional shot we do in the church. <laughs> you had to have seen it. When in doubt, put the stained glass window in the video. <laughs> we don't know what else to do. We just put that in there. That window ain't cheap. That window ain't cheap. That's why we put it in every window, because the window ain't cheap. Y'all love this building. How many of y'all get mad if we said we couldn't do church in this building anymore? We'd like, oh, we're not at that building no more. You go, oh, why? Because the building was $9 million. Yeah. $9 million. Guess how much we still owe on it? Praise God, it's down. <laughs> Praise God, it's down. We put a little something on it. <laughs> Called the bank. Anybody had to put a little something on a bill? You couldn't pay the whole thing? That's what we've been doing. <laughs> we good. We ain't missing payment. But we owe $7.2 million on this building. I said, now that's one woo. <laughs> you ain't listening. Come on, Oasis Vision Sunday. Let's all say it together. 
Thank you. One woo over seven million. That's at least three woos. Seven million. And there's a payment attached to seven million. And so part of us doing generosity that builds faith is the church, I believe, in the next five to seven years could be completely debt-free, not just Oasis Church, but you. What if we had a church that was completely debt-free in seven years? If you got a student loan that's hundreds of thousands of dollars for something you don't even work in that space, you better shout to the Lord. Three hundred thousand journalism degree, and you an actor? You better shout! <laughs> you better shout to the Lord. If the church was debt free, we could be generous. So this is why in our discipleship class we do financial peace because we want to see a debt free church. What if, what if seven years from now I could announce, including this building? That $30 million had been paid off and the church in its entirety is debt free. And when new people come in the church burdened by debt, we could put them on a plan where we help them to get out of debt. Do you know what Los Angeles would do? You know the revival that would happen if it was Oasis was the place you could get out of debt? We had never had somebody putting on church suits. They'd be putting on a church suit so fast, they'd be slipping trying to get to the house of the Lord. We need to do practical, generous things so people can see a supernatural, generous God. If we're going to reach the whole city, we got to have community that, 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 gatherings that build community, and we need to have generosity that builds faith. And the third thing we need to have is we need to have leadership that builds disciples. Leadership that builds disciples. One of the things that I feel like the Lord has put on my heart is, we need to increase the leadership of the church. I'm not talking staff, because we have staff, and I'm grateful for our staff. Our staff has amazing leaders, but the more that I study the Bible, the more that I realize it's unbiblical for a lead pastor to have the sole spiritual authority in the church. It's not biblical. And I can't say that my staff has spiritual authority, because they do if I'm paying them to be here. That means they got to be here for a long time. And we got a young staff. They move on. They do other things. I mean, y'all notice people on staff, they come and they go, and we want people to be free to come and go. We got people coming on staff. On staff. Now we got people coming off staff. And so for me, what it was creating is it was hard for me to know who was going to be here. Because I, I need help here building it. And so the Lord said, you got to have an elder board. And an elder board is not elder in English, obviously you might be thinking older, but elders are mature leaders who feel called to this house. I don't pay them, and they serve and bring different wisdom, and when I have a problem or an issue, I can bring that to the elder board, and I'm not the only one making the decision. They can pray. They can say they don't like something. It's shared spiritual authority and leadership in the church, and you'll be hearing about uh, elder boards coming soon. We're going to be having classes. I mentioned the financial peace class where we, one of my friends, Victor Haley, got certified to teach financial peace. So you, want, you need to go there and get free. It's, it's leadership that builds disciples because sometimes the enemy will let you pursue your dream if he knows you don't have discipline. Uh, I'm, let me just... 
So you, some of y'all got demons watching you start a business. Because they know you ain't going to see it all the way through to the end. So they don't have to attack you because they know you quit. We need to have discipline that makes us persevere until what God said is done. We're not going to quit. We're not going to give up. We're going to have classes and things that are raising up more leaders when you are facing spiritual batters, battles, more leaders and pastoral mentors for one-on-one -on -one discipleship and coaching. We're going to continue to invest in marriages. You know, we want a prayer revival happening. We have a team here, Prayer Force, that has been praying for years in, in the underground. We want hundreds of people praying and believing God downstairs with the Prayer Force team and building leaders. We want to relaunch internships and a, 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 maybe even a Bible college. We're looking at duplexes and property that we can buy that could build either transitional housing for people where we could teach them and help them grow and build leaders or even a college where students can come. We're, we're doing all those things because we don't think we can reach Los Angeles if we don't have gatherings that build community, generosity that builds faith, and leadership that builds disciples. I believe we do all three of these things. We could be the church that William Seymour saw in the city that he was called to. The church is not a building where you go. I know we use that language, we're gonna to go to church, but the church is not a building or a place that you go. The church is the place that trains you to serve the God who called you. That, that's, that's the church. That's the church. You know the word go appears 1,542 times in the Bible, but stay only appears 62 times? Go. When my son is a quarterback of a team, he's eight years old, when he, when he throws a pass to a wide receiver, the coaches yell, go. Because what's the point of catching a calling and you don't go? What's the point of catching a purpose, a revelation, or a dream and you don't? Go. The enemy has put some of our feet in spiritual quicksand. We can't go. And the Bible says hope deferred or a dream deferred makes the heart sick. And I don't want to, this church to be a place where you heal from not doing anything. But that you are prepared to do that all that God has called you to do. This word go. And when I say stay doesn't appear, wait appears a lot. Wait, wait on the Lord and he will give you strength. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit, but stay is very rare in the Bible. Go. One could argue that for the church, that simple word go is one of the most important words that God could ever communicate between himself and a Christian. Mark 16, 15 says he told the church, go into all of the world and preach the good news to everyone. In Genesis 7, when everything was ready and Noah had built the ark. The Lord told Noah, go into, all, into the boat with all of your family. In Genesis 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, who had not even been Abraham yet, named Abraham yet, said, he said to Abram, go from your country and your people. Hebrews 11:8 speaks of Abraham again. It says it was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when God called him to leave home and go. 
Judges 16, 14 through 15, a man by the name of Gideon was feeling unqualified and weak. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have. But I need you to move. Go. Moses, unsure of his calling and purpose. In Exodus 3, the Lord tells Moses, now go. For I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Exodus 14 verses 15 through 20, Moses is praying, but he's not moving. And the Lord tells Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to, go. come on, to, go. go. There has to be some movement to your prayer. And in Deuteronomy 1 verses 6 through 8, the Bible says when they were at Mount Sinai, what was Mount Sinai? The mountain of God. The, the mountain was lit on fire with the Lord's presence. And they were camping around the mountain where God had lit a mountain on fire. There have been Sunday services where God has lit this place on fire. The presence of the Lord is here and he's meeting with people, but he tells the people gathering at Mount Sinai, you have stayed at this mountain long enough. You stayed soaking up the presence of God long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. And then it says that word again, go. The church needs to go. Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. When you go, I'm with you. So it's not where you're going that's exciting. It's that God is going with you. And if he goes with you, this vision of reaching all our sins to all our sins is saved cannot happen if God doesn't go with us. Matthew 5, he backs this up and says, you are the light of the world. And he compares the church to a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. I know our vision sounds impossible because it is. But with God, all things, I mean all things, all things are possible. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share with a friend. To join us on the journey of being present, connected, and generous, visit oasisla.org connect. We love you so much, and we'll see you soon.